This is lesson 31 on the book of Revelation. Can you believe that? I started actually two years ago in 2019, and we haven't done it every single Wednesday night, but uh, we've had a lot of other things we've had to do as well. But we have covered 31 lessons. We're all the way up to Revelation chapter uh, 18. So we're just trying to give you a bird's eye view and just a really good idea of what's going to be happening. Um, can, you put the, uh, can you put the screen up there? The, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, what's going to be happening in the future? You know, we, how many believe we really could be the generation that sees Jesus come back? So, uh, you know, I like to capsulize things really simply here. And uh, my goal in teaching through the book of Revelation, I have really enjoyed just studying through it, but is to make the complicated very, very simple. If you just understand that the book of Revelation is sequential, John was on the Isle of Patmos. Jesus appeared to him in his glory and his splendor. And he show, it's amazing to me that almost 2,000 years ago, John, God, uh, Jesus showed John the future. And it's blessed us because we, we don't have to wonder what's going to happen. We can know what's going to happen in the future before Jesus returns. And in an uncanny, surreal way, it looks like world events are lining up just quite rapidly for the return of Christ. Um, some things that we do know from Scripture, I've shared some of these things so many times. Um, just before Jesus returns, uh, what would be happening, you know, Israel was not a nation since AD 70 when they were ran off of their land. And then it was renamed Palestinia by 135 AD. And then the Jews were not on that land for, you know, all of the centuries of time, all the way up until 1948, uh, right after World War I, a uh, guy by, uh, by the last name Balfour, uh, some years prior to that, uh, signed a Balfour Declaration, and Jews from all over the world begin to migrate back to um, the land that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their ancestry. And in 1948, uh, in May of 1948, Israel was, uh, was recognized as a nation again. That's a huge sign that Jesus is coming back. How many hear me? And then for the first time uh, since the first century, um, uh, Jerusalem came under Israeli occupation uh, after the Six-Day War, 1967. And then really, and then, and then now in 2017, uh, for, the, for the first time, uh, our embassy, the United States embassy, was moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, and, you know, politicians have been talking about it for a long time, and it really happened. So there's some really uncanny things going on. The Middle East is changing rapidly. Many of the nations that haven't been talking to each other are talking again. Nations that haven't talked to Israel ever are talking to Israel again and for the first time in a, in a strange way. And these all let us know that things are changing in the Middle East. So, um, you know, keep, keep your eye on, on Israel because Israel is God's time clock. And we understand what's happening. We understand what's happening with the second coming of Christ by understanding and just looking at Israel. Israel is the apple of God's eye. Our, our Savior came from Israel. Aren't you grateful for the nation of Israel? Aren't you grateful for the Jewish race? Now, you know, they've been in blindness and unbelief for almost 2,000 years because they never believed that Jesus could come back the way that he did as a baby in a manger. They were looking for him to come back in the pomp and circumstances of a king, of a king. but he didn't do that. He came back, he back, came back in a humble way. He came as a baby and he lived the way we live and he took, our, he took all of our, our weaknesses and he, and he lived life and, and faced all of the challenges that we did and he faced them successfully. Aren't you glad? 
And then he took our place in sin. He took our place in hell. He took our place in sickness. And he bore all that we are before the Father. And he bore the judgment and the penalty for our sin and died for us in our stead and went to where we should go to pay the price for our sin and then was raised from the dead. And now he's seated at God's right hand. Isn't that awesome? But the second time Jesus comes, he's coming back as a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not coming back, he's not coming back as a baby to bring salvation. No, he's coming back with a sword in his hand, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And he's coming to make all things right. And so Jesus is coming back the second time. The Bible's very clear. Uh, Jesus fulfilled every scripture that had to do with his first coming. And I'm just sure he's going to fulfill every single scripture that has to do with his second coming. So we're living in some really strange times. Uh, Everybody's head's turning. And um, it feels like we are in that era of time where Jesus could be coming back. The next thing on the agenda, you should be looking for someone to make peace with Israel. Some uh, leader of a nation in the Middle East will, uh, will, will foment together a group of nations, uh, probably Muslim nations, I believe, and uh, somehow they're going to make a pact with the nation of Israel, a, a pact of peace that will last at least seven years. And, and, and so I'm going to get into this uh, little uh, uh, chart back here, but I just wanted to mention some of these things. You know, God showed Daniel and... Uh, I love to read the book of Daniel. Uh, For some of us, it's challenging to understand. God talked in analogies, metaphors, and there's a lot of things there you got to understand the symbolism. But God really gave Daniel uh, an understanding of 490 years of Israel's history from from his time uh, into the future. 483 of those years have been fulfilled, but there's seven years. and, And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, Jewish time, was put on hold. That's it. And so, and so Jewish, the Jewish stop clock, so to speak, stop watching in God's hands, so to speak, uh, stopped. But there's coming a day, there's seven years left of God dealing with Israel and dealing with them. And, um, and that's what we call the tribulation. That's how we know it's going to last seven years because of what God showed Daniel in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. All this is in the past teachings that we've done on the book of Revelation. We've talked about that in detail. But just understand that time, I don't think that time period started yet, but it is as though God's hand is on that little stop clock watch, so to speak. And he's about ready to push it. So once you see an agreement, some kind of an agreement between Israel and their adversaries, once that happens, that's the Jewish time starts again. Seven years uh, will be happening. There's a man that the Bible terms the man of sin, the man of lawlessness. A couple of times in Scripture, he's called Antichrist because he's against Christianity, against Judeo-Christian ethics, against the Jewish race. And, um, and he's going to be a diabolical leader. And um, he's going to seek to rule at least the Middle East, if not the entire world. So I want to get into a little bit of the weeds of that. We're going to look at Revelation 18 real pretty quickly. Just really going to read through it tonight. But I just want to get, give you an understanding again of where we are. We're going to be here. A lot of people don't believe this. But it looks like the church is going to be here for the first few years of that seven years we typically call uh, the tribulation. It's really Daniel's 70th week. Uh, of of seven years we're going to be here and if you look at this uh, chart up here I've showed this so many times um, the Antichrist appears there are some uh, 
There's some seals on a scroll in God's hand. Once those seals are broken, uh, the seals, there's seven seals on it, and they're typified right here in uh, and we've talked about those in great detail. The Antichrist comes on the scene. We will be here for the breaking of seal one, seal two, seal three. Uh, that's midway point of the, what we call the tribulation, three and a half years into it. Ver- first part of that, the Antichrist is going to seem like a nice guy. He's going to try to get along with everybody. He's made peace with Israel, but he's going he's to breach his contract. He's going to become a very angry person. And uh, he's going to begin to persecute the Jews. And he's going to begin to persecute the church. We will most probably be here during that first part of that. I know a lot of people disagree with me with that because they, they see the whole seven-year period as, God's, as the wrath of God. But, there's not, but what, what they don't realize is the whole seven-year period is not the wrath of God. The, first, the, 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 the uh, first portion of it is the wrath of man. It's the wrath of the Antichrist. He doesn't like Jews. He doesn't like Christians. He puts up with us. But he gets really, really nasty and mean about three and a half years into it, turncoats, and becomes a very angry, angry person towards Jews and Christians. And there's some really, really serious persecution. In fact, the worst persecution that either the Jewish race or even perhaps Christians have seen um, uh, since the advent of the kingdom of God on earth will be happening during that time. So midway point there, we'll be here. I think we're going to be here for the first uh, three and a half years and then and then it's called the Great Tribulation once he turns on Israel and begins to persecute us really, really badly. And then you got, you know, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. So I'm looking at at least five years we may be here during the, uh, the Antichrist reign. I know that doesn't excite you, but I want to encourage you, get yourself ready uh, for people not to like your Christian ideals and your Christian ways and the Jesus that you love. That's where the world is heading, and we need to be aware of that. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. He said, all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We're not immune from hardships that come because people don't like the God that we serve. How many hear me? But, you know, God's promised to take care of us, watch over us. There will be those that give their lives for Jesus during this really, really crazy, crazy time. That's where the world is headed now. We're not quite yet there. People are wondering, well, are the things that we dealt with in 2020, uh, does that have anything to do with this seven-year period? I think it's a precursor. I think it shows us what, you know, uh, what totalitarian idealism looks like and what it looks like for a ruler to put his thumb on the whole world and say, you can't do this, you can't do that unless you do this. I don't think any of that is, is, has anything to do with that seven-year period called tribulation yet. But boy, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's getting close, it seems. Is that, is, and I think you feel that too, don't you? So anyway, three and a half years, so... Um, so we come down, the, the church is going to be raptured. I don't know if you can see this on the screen here. The sun, moon, and stars really changed with the opening of that sixth seal. And that indicates, according to Jesus in Matthew 24, 29 through 31, that the rapture is about to happen. When you look up one morning and the sun's darkened, the moon doesn't shine very, very bright at night, the stars are you know, looking kind of funny. Get ready. And you'll probably have something inside going on. You'll probably have the Spirit of God witnessing to you. Get yourself ready. 
Get the wrinkles out. Get the spots out. Let's work on this. Let's go. You're coming with me. Are you getting ready? Are you ready? And you'll probably lose your luster for life, your desire and zest for life on earth during that time. How many know God prepares you for things ahead? Is that true? You know, God prepares you for life change. Does he prepare you for life changes now? If you're going to move to a different state, change jobs, or maybe you're a single person and you're about to get married, it, does, he, does, he, does he make changes? Does he start letting you know and getting you ready inside? It's a question. You think Jesus is going to get us ready for the rapture? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exciting? So uh, anyway, um, uh, then, uh, and, and so once that occurs, we're out of here. And then the wrath of God is displayed. It's called the day of the Lord in the book of Revelation. It starts in Revelation chapter 8. And that's where it looks like meteorites hit the earth. And there are just some really terrible things that happen. And it really changes the complexion of the atmosphere of the earth. And the green vegetation dies and the water's polluted. It just changes life in a terrible way. During that time, the Antichrist will be uh, full bore with his diabolical schemes against Jews and Christians. And it'll be really, really difficult for us. God will make a way for us if we pray and seek him and uh, seek to do his will. And we'll be okay during that time. And then we'll be raptured up. Then these trumpet judgments happen. We've talked about those and, uh, and they last maybe, maybe two years. And right towards the end of that, the seven years ends. And what people don't know, and I've mentioned all this in the past, go listen to the past. You can just listen to it while you drive or whatever. But I've talked about all this. Right towards the end of that seven-year period is, the, is that seventh trumpet that sounds. And right when it sounds is the very end of the seven years of, uh, of that time that God showed Daniel, but there's 75 additional days. Now, we've talked about that in the past. I can't get into the weeds at all tonight. I really want to bring us up to a focal point and just read through Revelation 18. But then the very last thing that happens is going to take about 30 days past that seven years. You can find that in Daniel chapter 12. There's, there's 30 days uh, plus 45 days that God adds to uh, the time of that seven-year period. And that lasts 30 days after the seven-year period. That's when the bold judgments happen. We studied, studied those in Revelation 15 and then in Revelation 16. And I'm bringing you up to a point here. These bold judgments are the final cleansing of the earth of all that taints it ever since Adam sinned all through the millennia of time until that very time. In fact, Jesus' second coming is all about cleansing the earth of contaminants, cleansing the earth of all of the diabolical schemes that have ruined the human race and pushed people away from God and have tainted this planet. Uh, Satan will be placed eventually uh, in, in a bottomless pit, finally, his eventual end is the lake of fire and then the Antichrist that will have risen to power uh, some years before will be defeated, thrown into the same place where Satan will go. And uh, so, so that's where the world is headed. And I mentioned all that to say in Revelation 16, there are seven judgments. They only, they're really fast. They don't last very long. The first one is against those who take a mark that the Antichrist requires that they take. Now, let me back up a minute. Everybody okay? I think we'll actually get out on time, believe it or not, because I'm just going to read through Revelation 18. I just want you to see where we are and what's happening. But 
In, in uh, Revelation 16, there are seven bold judgments, and they're very rapid, very quick, rapid fire succession, boom, 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 they happen. And um, Revelation 13, 14 uh, really shows what's going to happen during the Antichrist reign. He's a diabolical leader. He hates God, and God just kind of backs up, tells the angels to back up. And he curses God. He curses those that love God. And he's really, really mean and vile towards Jews and Christians because of our ethics. He will be an, an immoral person, a very wicked person. He will be an astute liar. White will be black. Black will be white. Good will be bad. Bad will be good. Isaiah 520 will come to come full bore during his uh terrible, dastardly reign. And then one of the things that's uncanny that he will do is nobody can do any kind of commerce unless they get a mark on their, somewhere on their hand or on their forehead. And, you know, I don't even have to talk about that right now. Stuff's been being talked about with the, you know, with what we got going on right now with, uh, with um, uh, medical passports and all that. It's really strange what's happening. I don't know the eventual end of that. But it seems to be an uncanny parallel to what the scripture says the Antichrist will uh, require uh, for uh, people on earth to do commerce and do things. You can read about that again, Revelation 13, 14. But, but those that take, so going back to Revelation 16, there's seven bold judgments quickly cleanse the earth. That first judgment, first bold judgment is against those who take the mark from the Antichrist on their body. I don't know about you, I won't be doing that. Bottom line, really, let me also say that Revelation 16, you won't be here for what we're talking about. Are you glad? You'll be looking down like this from heaven thinking, I'm glad I ain't there. I'm glad the rapture took me away. But if you're watching me and you don't know Jesus, here's what's gonna be happening. So just be aware. So those that take the mark, they're going to have some terrible, terrible sores and problems with their bodies. First bowl judgment, second and third bowl judgments. Again, pollute the water the way it was polluted in Revelation 8 when the meteorites come. It gets all polluted again, and, uh, and a lot of people die from that. It's a really, really, really terrible time. Uh, another bold judgment that will be happening during that time, the sun, the intensity of the sun. You know, maybe the ozone layer will be depleted, and, uh, you know, people will be burned terribly by the sun, and actually the atmosphere will heat up because of the sun, and people will curse God because of that. And then there's a darkness that will come upon the kingdom of the Antichrist. It might be just the Middle East where he rules and reigns. We really don't know, but such a darkness that people gnaw their tongues in agony because there's no sunshine. There's no photosynthesis. Life has become terribly weird and awfully difficult. And then there's another bold judgment, the Euphrates River, which is the, uh, one of the oldest rivers in the world. It was actually, I think it was in the, uh, I think it was in the Garden of Eden. It dries up. It just completely dries up getting ready for the battle of Armageddon. And I said all that to say the very, um, the very last judgment um, uh, of the bold judgment is actually against uh, the systems that are against God that have governed the world for millennia. And we talked about that in Revelation 17. Uh, we've talked about the great harlot in Revelation 17. Today I want to talk about Babylon the Great because it says Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen. Jesus' return literally cleanses the earth of all of the contaminants 
that have kept the human race away from God, the diabolical schemes that Satan has has, uh, caused to rise up worldwide to preoccupy the minds of men and keep us away from God and keep us away from holy living and keep us uh, living in a self-centered way, living to please ourselves with no thought, no thought or even a fear of the future or, or eternity. And so again, that seventh bold judgment, in fact, let's see where I am. Uh, here it is, Revelation 16, verses 17 through 19. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it's done. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake that hasn't occurred since men were on the earth and the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon was removed before God to give her her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and if you read that whole thing there, there are, um, uh, looks like hailstones that are 75 pounds each that fall all over the earth. There's an earthquake that literally causes all of the islands. You like the islands? You like to go take vacations at the islands? Don't be on one then, because they're gonna disappear. You like to go to the mountains? All the mountains will completely flatten out worldwide. Not one city Worldwide will be unaffected by the tremendous earthquakes that will occur with this last bold judgment. And that is, the, that is the last judgment for the cleansing of the earth. And with that last bold judgment comes the judgment of the great harlot, which is a false religious system that has dominated the world and tried to keep people away from God, tried to keep people in sexual sin, tried to keep people and their eyes focused on everything sensual and nothing spiritual. And that judgment will come with that, with that seventh bold judgment. We talked about that in Revelation 17. And then here we are. Now go to Revelation 18.1. Set all that and get right here. Revelation 18.1. Uh, this has happened during that seventh bold judgment. Babylon the Great. Now, some people believe that Babylon the Great is actually a, a specific city. And if you read the verbiage in uh, Revelation 18, seems like it maybe could be. But, but even eat more easily, it could more simply, simply be a, um, it could just simply be a metaphor uh, for the systems that have kept people away from God, the Babylonian system, which includes uh, false religions, which includes um, uh, human governments that are against God and also includes false religions and, and economic things that are tied in with all of that. The uh, economies, uh, the Antichrist, when he shows up, he's going, to, uh, he's going to try to rule over, if not a portion of the earth, the Middle East, if not the whole world, he'll try to control the economy, uh, he'll try to co- control the politics so everybody has the same belief systems politically. And then he will also seek to control the world with a one world religion, which is an amoral religion, which is a sensual religion, just like the religions, the pagan religions from antiquity. They've always allowed gross immorality in every form. And that will be the Antichrist rule and reign. But when Jesus comes back, all of what I just said is included in Babylon the Great. It's going to ditch. 
and uh, it will be judged. And I want to show you that very simply and very clearly. Everybody with me? I also want you to realize everything I just said um, uh, and, and that what was on the chart, all of this is sequential. You've got the, uh, you know, you've got the um, uh, seals and then you've got the trumpets and then you've got the bowl judgments. They're all sequential and they, they take you through that seven-year period. We're past the seven-year period. We're into a 30-day period where God is cleansing the earth. We as believers will be in heaven during this time. But during this time, and what you read in Revelation 18, is God actually judging the systems of the world that have kept people away from God. And let's look at this Revelation 18. One, y'all good? After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. So there's a bright angel. He comes down, cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a, pr- a prison for every foul spirit and cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now, I got to stop right there in the middle of that. And I meant to mention this earlier, and here it is. Um, People have said, and you can read books today that tell you Babylon the Great is all kinds of things. I've just made a quick list in my notes. It's not any notes I gave you guys. Um, uh, Some think, again, Babylon the Great is a literal city. Some suggest it's Rome. Some people have said, well, it's America. Some people have said it's Babylon, literal Babylon in Iraq. Some people have said it's New York City. It's Dubai, United Arab Emirates. That's one of the largest airports in the world, one of the centers of travel right now. Um, uh, Mecca in Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Jerusalem. Uh, Those are just some of the suggestions of people that think that Babylon is a literal city. As I've studied the book of Revelation, particularly these chapters um, 17 and, well, 16, 17, and now 18, seems to me uh, what fits just even better than that is, is Babylon the Great being a system, a system that combines, a system that combines religion, that combines politics, and combines commerce all together. And it's a wicked system that tries to mesmerize the minds of humans away from God and and get them sensitized to only paying attention to the now, not the future. So look at this again. Uh, The angel cried, uh, Babylon the great is fallen, verse 2, become the dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings, and these are metaphors he's talking about. These, it's, a, it's, a, it's a loose living world that's doing everything but obeying God. And that's what, that's what these scriptures are indicating very clearly. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. The merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. You know, world governments and religion, uh, pagan religions particularly, because they allow all kinds of sexual immorality and such. And, and, and that's something that's interesting and exciting for most human beings that don't know God. And, and uh, world governments, commerce, business have all mixed together with heathen religions all through history. And here they're being judged. A lot of people think that they can do, that, uh, do what they do And God's not going to say or do anything. Here's what some people think, and this is a problem today. Some people think when God says nothing, it must be okay for me to do what I'm doing. Now, what you need to understand, if you're doing something you know is wrong, God's just giving you time to repent, friend. 
But if he says nothing, you know, silence doesn't indicate uh, agreement with as far as God's concerned. No, silence means I'm watching you. You need to watch it. My mom and dad knew I was smoking pot as a teenager because they could smell it on my coat. I mean, I put all this stuff in my mouth. I put all kind of lotion on my face. And, but my mom later told me, Mitch, I could smell that stuff on your son. I said, really? What did it smell like? She told me, oh, that was it. You see, God smells what you're doing. He's just giving you time to straighten up. But here it is. There's no more time. Time is completely, completely run out. Verses 4 through 8. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. Now, believers will be in heaven during this time. But don't forget that there are going to be at least 144,000 Jews during this time that are marked by God in Revelation 7. And they're, they're going to come to Jesus. They're going to, the, the veils are going to be taken off of their minds. They're going to see that he really is the Messiah uh, the, the savior of the world and they're, and they're going to be sharing Jesus and then they're going to be people during this diabolical time once the Antichrist turncoats from that three and a half year, uh, three and a half years into that seven year period all the way up to here they're going to be people coming to Jesus getting saved many will become martyrs Many will be, will be decapitated or killed and slaughtered by the Antichrist because of their faith. But nonetheless, there will be believers here. But you, thank God, if you know Jesus, how many are glad you won't be here? So he says, um, come out of her, my people, talking about that system, that Babylonian system for her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities, rendered uh, to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double. Mm. according to her works in the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her in the measure that she, talking about that Babylonian system, in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow. I will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire for strong is the Lord who judges her. So you think about the corrupt governments and we've got some really corrupt governments on earth right now. How many hear me? Anytime there's a two-tiered justice system and there are some people in a culture that get away with everything and others get away with nothing, you know that things aren't right. How many hear me? And friends, that happens all over the world. We feel and see injustices, and sometimes the injustices that we see happen, uh, it makes our blood boil. It says, you think that's not right. Somebody needs to do, do something about that. Don't forget that the time of Antichrist will be a time of extreme lawlessness. So anywhere in the world, including America right now, where you see laws not being obeyed, Laws being set aside, laws on the books that nobody's listening to, or people in authority saying, I know it says that, but we're not going to enforce that. You understand that's the spirit of Antichrist. And it feels like those who put money first, those who put business first, those who put their pagan ways first with sensuality and sexual immorality and all kinds of crazy forms today. It looks like they're getting by with it, but here it says they'll be paid back double. The crazy thing about this time just before Jesus returns is, and you can read it through the scriptures. In fact, I went on a walk today and I listened to this 
you know, on my, my Bible app and it, I can listen to it in my ear. I listened to it five or six times on the three-mile walk and I thought, man, over and over and over and over again, God gave the people space to repent, but it says over and over, but they still did not repent of their sorcery, of their immorality, of their self-centered ways. And they chose to reject God. And there, here it is, the judgment has finally come. How many know we're encouraged not to love the world? And this is a good place right here to stop real quickly and encourage you. Don't set your mind on things below. Don't get so, so caught up with business, with money, with things that you have, or with relationships that you forget God. And, I, you know, uh, we've just come through a time of unequaled prosperity in America. And right now, people right now are seeming to be doing all right. And, you know, the odd thing is when you seem to be doing okay financially, people often forget God. How many hear me? So you just got to know he's told us not to love the world system. In fact, I just want to real quickly here, 1 Corinthians 7, I'm just going to read verse 31, complete Jewish Bible for sake of time. It says, those who deal in worldly, if he's talking about being married, he says, those that are married, uh, act as though you're not married. That, mean, that doesn't mean find somebody else. It means put Jesus first in your life. If you're married, don't ignore your spouse, love your spouse, but don't put your spouse before Jesus. How many hear me? Some people put their trophy wife or trophy husband before Jesus, and that's wrong. And listen, I've been married a long time, 42 years this year. I loved Susan more than anybody else on earth, but I love Jesus more. And you need to feel that way about your spouse. You love your spouse. You take care of your spouse. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. And then he says, And those who deal in, this, in worldly affairs as if not engrossed in them because the present scheme of things in this world won't last much longer. That's talking about that Babylonian system. It's not going to last much longer. New Century Version says, because this world in its present form will soon be gone. So again, what is that talking about? That's talking about Revelation 18. When during that uh, seventh bowl judgment, Babylon is judged the world system is judged, 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That word lust doesn't necessarily just mean sexual lust. It means a strong desire for anything that's not right. It's a strong, vehement desire, literally. The lust of the flesh the pull of the flesh, the pull of the eyes, the pride of life, it says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. Literally, it'll happen here in Revelation 18 when that world system is ditched by the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Jeremiah the prophet, you can go read Jeremiah 51. It's a prophecy from you know, 2,500-ish years ago, showing the fall of the world system. Uh, just one verse there, Jeremiah 51, 64. Then you shall say, the, thus Babylon shall sink and not rise from the catastrophe that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. So again, you know, we feel the injustices sometimes of government. We see those that have money, uh, sometimes who are ultra wealthy. In fact, you know, if you do some study, and I encourage you again, it's a hard book to read, but The Killing of Uncle Sam, it's a really thick book. It's a 
I forgot how many pages, huge book uh, by Rodney Howard Brown and another guy that was the historian for him. But he chronicles the, uh, the history of governments and there are just a few elite, ultra-wealthy people worldwide that dominate the politics of the world and that dominate the money markets of the world and the banking systems of the world. And they're, and they're really working things so that the average person can hardly get ahead. They're constantly indebted to the Babylonian system so they can't be blessed. Thank God we're not under the curse and we can remove ourselves from that system. Hello, how many hear me? Nonetheless, you may feel like, well, are these people ever going to get payback? Uh, the answer is... One day, yes. Don't forget Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For its written vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Then look at Revelation 18, 9 and 10. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her, this Babylonian system, will weep and lament for her. And that is the, the world leaders will say, oh no, what's happened to our system? It's no longer here working for us, making us money, making us privileged when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Stand at a distance for fear of her torment. Oh, I've not been part of that system. Yes, they have and they know they have saying, alas, alas, the great city Babylon. Again, it's a metaphor for this, this system that has ruled uh, people since the inception of the human race, that mighty city, for in one hour, your judgment has come. And then verses 11 through 19, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk, Scarlet, every kind of citron wood, that's fancy wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most pre precious wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, incense, fragrant oil, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and bodies and souls of men, that is, slavery will still be going on during that time, as it is right now in many parts of the world. The fruit of your soul long, that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her, by this Babylonian system, will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping, wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple, scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, pearls, in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance, cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what is like this great city, this Babylonian system that has kept the whole world going? Don't forget during this time. And then verse 19, it says, they threw dust on their heads, cried out, weeping, wailing, saying, and they do that in the Middle East. Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea become rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has, is made desolate. Don't forget the background of this time are those seven bold judgments that have just pummeled the earth with such terrible things. The water has become polluted. Uh, the, 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 ship have, uh, the uh, fish in the sea have, have died. Uh, stench is everywhere. 
um, the vegetation has wilted. There's no way for, the, for photosynthesis to give oxygen to the atmosphere again. People are breathing heavily. They can hardly make it. There's not enough light to do commerce. It's during this period of time that everything begins to shut down. This Babylonian system has been judged by God for sure. And then verse 20 says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. So right now you may have, you may have, uh, no, have people in your family, friends, or maybe you yourself, you've been taken advantage of by this system. Maybe you've been taken advantage of by financial folk who are self-centered in how they do things and they've, they've stolen your money. Maybe you've been taken advantage of by an overbearing government or maybe you've been taken advantage of by those who lie and cheat and steal in various ways. When Babylon is judged, all of these things are judged. So again, verse 21, Revelation 18, as I conclude there, and a mighty angel stood up, took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and of all those who were slain on the earth. What a terrible thing when, the, when all of the diabolical governments, false religious systems, and economic systems of the world collapse when Jesus comes to judge them. So maybe you've been burned by some of these things. One day, it will all collapse. What's the bottom line? Don't put all your trust in these things. We should. How many hear me? I want to end here. I got there for uh, Eugene Peterson was the uh, person who translated the paraphrase, the message paraphrase. Anybody ever heard of the message paraphrase? Well, I've got a Bible in my uh, foray of many Bibles called the um, Ancient Modern Bible. And, and the notes in the Bible, all through the Bible, are from men uh, and women of God uh, through the entire 2,000 years of the church age, and they've just put quotes in this Bible. It's really a fascinating Bible to read if you go through the centuries of time and see uh, the belief systems that the early church folk had from the first few centuries of the church and on into the church age until now. But actually in that Bible, there's a quote from a, a guy from our times. His name is Eugene Peterson. Again, he put together the paraphrased Bible called the message paraphrase. But he had a quote about Revelation 17, 18 from that Bible that I want to read. Now, it's a little different, so you got to bear with me because he calls Babylon the great, the great whore. Because it's taken advantage of everybody and it's completely self-centered. Can you handle that? So I'm going to say that a few times because I'm just reading him, okay? So don't get all put out with me because I'm reading this. Here it is. So in Revelation 17, I close with this. It's Revelation 17, 18. The great whore image is not about sex. 
It is a metaphor for worship gone wrong. Worship under the aspect of the great whore is the commercialization of our great need and deep desire for meaning, for love, salvation, for the completion of ourselves beyond ourselves. Whore worship, as he calls Babylon whore. Whore worship thrives by naming the worst things about us. Pride, our lust, our envy, our greed, our anger with the designation God and gathering depersonalized and depersonalizing crowds to pursue these divinized defects religiously. The great danger that the world poses for us is not in its gross evils, but its easy religion. The promise of success, ecstasy, and meaning that we can get for a price is whore worship. It's the diabolical inversion of you are bought with a price to I can get it for you wholesale. In the great lament of Revelation 18, over the great whore's demise, the longest and most detailed lament is from the merchants and sea traders. In whore worship, they got everything they wanted. Their lives overflowed with things. And now it's gone, wasted up in smoke. They are bereft of everything they were promised and invested in and enjoyed. It is not their businesses that have collapsed, but their religion, a religion of self-inducement of getting. Now it's gone. Salvation by checkbook is gone. God on demand is gone. Meaning by money is gone. Religion as feeling is, or is gone. Self as temporary God is gone. They're left with nothing but themselves of whom after a lifetime in the whorehouse, they know nothing. That's heavy. Get my notes, they're on the website, and read that again. <laughs> you know, it's hard hitting. But friends, that's where America's living today. We're all about pleasing ourselves, doing what we want at the expense of someone else. And, we, and, and as a whole, we don't care how it affects someone else, friends. That's self-centered living. And so that Babylon the Great, it stands for the selfishness of the human race. It only gets and never gives. Jesus hits it just before he comes back in the battle of Armageddon. We'll come back next time. We'll talk about Revelation 19. Did you get something out of that?